it's time to expand online. Hi, I'm Jamie Sletsky, and this is the podcast where we break down the tech and strategies that successful hands-on entrepreneurs just like you use to translate their services into online products. There is no fluff. There is no overwhelm. There is no shame. Let's get to it. It's time for you to expand online. Welcome to the Expand Online Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Slutsky, and this is episode number 161. I have a great episode for you today, and I know that because I sat down with Andrea Miller, who hosts the podcast Music Studio Startup, and this conversation is all about ways to expand online if you don't want to go into straight group teaching. There are so many other ways to expand your business and diversify your income. So let's get right into our conversation with Andrea. Andrea, welcome to the Expand Online Podcast for art and music educators and studio owners. You are kind of all of the above and then some. Um, So instead of me giving an intro as to who you are and stuff, can you just give a short intro as to why you think I brought you onto the podcast? (laughs) Um, Well, I am a piano teacher, so I check that box, and I am an entrepreneur, so I, I think I check that box. Um, but yeah, I teach piano in the St. Louis area, and I actually had studied entrepreneurship and piano performance, and then with the goal of opening a multi-teacher studio. I wanted a business that was bigger than myself, um, and I did that for a while, and then now I've switched um, gears a little bit. I had to move away from that studio. Um And so I switched gears more focusing on the business side because that was actually my passion from when I was three and four years old. I told my parents I was going to open a used car dealership when I I grew up. (laughs) And I haven't done that yet. Who knows? I mean, I've got a lot of life ahead of me, I hope. But um, so, yeah, I've taken kind of my um, passion for business back to the music teacher world. And I host a podcast for music teachers about entrepreneurship called Music Studio Startup and do a lot of um, coaching and education around that. I love that. I absolutely think that this is going to be a great conversation for the listeners. And I think you and I are both going to learn something as well, which is the best part of being involved in the podcast space. What I really thought would be a fun conversation is so much of this podcast is about expanding your teaching and your studio online. Yet you're perfect evidence of the fact that as a music teacher, you can expand online in a different way. So you expanded online by taking the fundamentals and the understanding of running a studio and going into the business space. And I know that there are a lot of people who are like, I just really want to work one-on-one with a handful of students, but I want to expand online and do other things that complement the music industry or the art industry or the creative industry. And that's where I want to spend my time in, you know, in the online space. Mm -hmm. And so I know that you have talked with a lot of different teachers who have chosen different paths into their online or second career um, coming out of the teaching space. And let's just kind of start there. What kind of businesses or, you know, expansion journeys have you uh, been a part of or witnessed? Yeah. So I guess I'd take it back just a step to provide some context. 
I think sometimes in the music teacher communities, there's this um, presupposition that if you're a successful independent teacher, you have a full studio, you might be teaching 35 or 50 or 60 students on your own. The next step then is to hire another teacher. And that's often presented as this is what successful teachers do. And I think some teachers do that and really thrive um, and others don't thrive and and maybe almost feel pressured into that as like if I if I'm a real business person um this is what I do and I just don't think that's the case there are so many other ways to Mm -hmm. expand and and it's really a a question of like knowing what you enjoy doing so when you hire other teachers you naturally become more of an administrator a manager you're scheduling people you're dealing with people problems and that might not be what you want to do um, and you become a marketer in a lot of ways. Like your job is to get students for the other teachers. And yeah, no, I, I, I think that that is so spot on. And I'm really glad that you brought that up. Back in February, in episode 158, I talk about what does success look like for your online studio. And so, like, I think that's a really great compliment to what you're saying, because if you can't check the box of hiring, other teachers in order to feel successful, what else can you do is a really great, great thing to do. I mean, it's a great thing to think about is what does your success look like? And it, it looks different for everyone. I've talked to teachers who have expanded in many different ways that are more true to what their, their actual personal interests are. Um, Mm -hmm. Some do go online and they are really good at making guitar tutorials or something. And so they just replicate their craft, their teaching in the online space um, so they can reach many more people through YouTube guitar lessons and things like that. Others are amazing curriculum developers. And I just think what a loss it would be to the music world if these people who are developing great curriculum for their students in their studios, if they put their energy towards hiring teachers and being people managers instead of developing this curriculum that I get to buy and use in my studio. So some have expanded that way, you know, curriculum they develop for their own studios. I talked to a teacher this morning who has a teacher's pay teacher store. So everything she's developed, she puts there. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There are just so many other ways to expand your influence and reach from one-to-one lessons, even if that's your primary source of income to a supplemental, um, a supplemental source that uses the skills and like your zone of genius, I think is what they'd call it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when you talk about what fires you up, what is it? Yeah, I'm sure it's your primary craft. It's what you got into teaching. It's why you have gone down this path. That's one aspect of it. But we are all creative. We all have other ideas. We all have other ways that we can um, just realize our vision for ourselves. And it could be coaching, it could be consulting, it could be curriculum development, it could be business management for someone else's studio, or setting up processes for someone for other people's studios. You know, just because you don't want to do it for your own studio doesn't mean that you're not still good at it. It's just that you can then take a step away. And I just think that Expanding online is opening Pandora's box a little bit. There are so many things we can do. And the problem with not 
finding success online is generally because we look at Pandora's box, we look at all the little things, and we dabble here or there or everywhere, and we never get all the way into into investing into something really detailed and like honing our craft in that one vertical. We just kind of spread ourselves horizontally across the surface of that box rather than going deep into one channel. Yes, yes. And the internet, you know, feeds us so many options (laughs) in (laughs) such a short amount of time. So it's easy to get distracted away from something. And um, in some ways, the like you can you can do a little bit of everything if you want. But usually people have that thing that they're really just naturally super creative in. And when they dig deep into there, that's the other the other side of the internet is that because you can be like super niche with something and find the people who like need those solutions that you come up with because you're spending so much of your time. If you, if you do get into the box and just dig deep, 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 um, you can really help people with that like thoughtful information. Totally, totally. It's one of those things where, I mean, as I was thinking, as you were list, as you were listing that off, it's like, okay, wait, I guess if we go back to the curriculum developer example, because I think that's such a phenomenal avenue. Um, if you go back to that and somebody is building out curriculum that other people are going to use, by default, that is going to be normalized for multiple different types of students so that that curriculum can be applied by the teacher across the board within their studio. It's no longer creating a lesson plan for each student. It's actually taking a lot of what you've learned as a teacher, as a lesson developer, as a curriculum developer for your own students in your own studio, and creating that normalized approach that be, can that can be actually applied by teachers across the spectrum and who have different types of students who have different needs and things like that. And I think that that's one of the big bridges that people struggle with when they decide to expand online is how to go from a one-to-one mindset of creating a lesson for an individual student to creating something that can appeal to a larger audience. I don't know what you have to say about that, but yeah, well, <laughs> I see your head nodding. <laughs> yeah, an example comes to mind of another teacher I interviewed, Lee Stockner. He's in New York, and he has um, he has a music school, and he actually caters to students with special needs, ADHD, um, autism, all sorts of different things. And he got so deep into Pandora's box that he developed um, not just curriculum, but a whole music notation system to help students with these special needs who couldn't, were just really struggled to read the traditional lines and spaces. And he wanted to teach them traditional music, but they just, that was a huge barrier to their learning. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, I see that bringing value now, you know, I can go, if I have a student, my studio is not full of students with special needs, but if I have that one student, then to be able to go and take advantage of all the insights he has from, um, that experience. And like you said, it's normalized. So he, 
he can develop like this is a path that works for most students through this curriculum. And then I can just benefit from that. So my experience teaching the one student who needs this um, specialized notation system is I feel less lost when I use it because mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. has curated his experience into a package that really helps me out. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I And I think that one of the best parts of creating whatever it is that you truly want to create online is that you don't have to fit into someone else's box. You don't have to fit into somebody else's container of this is what it looks like to be an online creative and to be able to provide something to the masses. And when people expand online, it's generally the idea of going from to a larger audience. So working with more people or providing your opportunity for more people. And a lot of people get stuck because as a one-to-one instructor or as someone who is face-to-face with students in your studio environment, it's different when you don't have that intimate connection with every person that is is consuming your content or learning from you or buying your program. What kind of um, strategies have you and your clients and your friends adopted to feel good about providing this opportunity online without necessarily knowing every single little intricacy of the uh, of the person who's buying it? Yeah, that that is a something that I wrestle with because I like to know people and I like to know. Um, be able to kind of customize things to fit them. So I can talk about my own program that I use. Um, So I have a business building program for music teachers and it's primarily a video-based course, but the way I've kind of wrestled with that is um, the first couple of cohorts I walked through the course because as I was getting to know it and test the, the curriculum I had put together, I did interviews with every teacher who went through the program. And so then I could see, oh, yeah, I thought this issue was something that would be common. And indeed, it is. 80% of teachers mention this issue. Um, And so that's something that I've done, like, just to get started with that Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. test my hypotheses. (laughs) I also developed (laughs) it from years of one-on-one coaching. So, and teachers have that, you know, from, um, from leading students through book one, book two, book three for many years, like, they kind of know they've gotten that normalized approach. Um, Another Mm -hmm. thing I've done is just offering live options. So a time for, you know, although most of the, the education part of my programs are online, you do it whenever it's convenient for you. I do have live office hours and teachers can join in. And that also gives me, again, that sense, that opportunity to see how they're responding to the material. Um, But it's a much, I can do it with a group of many people and the benefit to teachers and the participants in these courses is that it just makes it so much more affordable to deliver this information to them that in a one-on-one setting, it can be very cost prohibitive. Yeah. I mean, what's it's the difference of saying, I am a coach for music teachers, or I have a program for music teachers. 
I mean, there's a very big difference. And I mean, just as I talk about a lot on the podcast about creating group programs where there's the asynchronous learning portion where you learn on your own time, and then there's the office hours where you come together and you develop, you know, and you have further conversation about whatever was learned, or it's open office hours to ask whatever questions, or it's a showcase to to showcase whatever is you're doing or, you know, what you've learned. That's the same thing. So all the principles that I talk about extensively on the podcast apply even if your online business is to the teachers, to the educators, um, working at that next level and not working directly with the students um, who are learning the craft. So I think that that is really, uh, you know, a great tie-in to a lot of the other concepts that uh, we discuss here mm-hmm. on the podcast. And another thing is answering, you know, you might receive a question from an individual, but you can answer it to the group or the wider audience. So if you get an email, you can respond to that through a Facebook live or just an Instagram story or, you know, whatever medium makes sense, but answering the question, if one person has asked it, a hundred more have it. And so you can answer it for everyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. What do you think helps someone decide if they like, what are the kind of like the big ideas that kind of come up when someone's deciding, okay, I'm going to expand online and create curriculum so that other teachers can buy it versus I am going to expand online and create an online studio where my students can now work with me online, or I'm going to expand online and become a coach and run masterminds for other teachers and not actually create curriculum or not create something that's tangible. There's like kind of those three pockets. I'm sure you probably have come across some other pockets that I haven't thought about, but those are kind of the three big ones. Like how does someone follow their heart or their gut or just like what what kind of things have you seen to help people decide yeah that's that's a tricky question (laughs) I I think it's something (laughs) people struggle with because again there is that sense of like this is what you should be doing you know someone is speaking to them and telling them this is what you should be doing and I think it takes an introspection like what is the thing that I'm really passionate about doing I ask myself what can I, what do I see like in 20 years or in 30 years will still be a part of my life? Like this, um, you know, when I was eight, I started a snow shoveling business. I'm like, I wasn't going to do that the rest of my life. It was good in that season and not again. (laughs) But um, there are some things that I see as like, this is always going to be a part of my life. And if it passes that test, then I think that's maybe an indicator of which direction, what sorts of material I should be investing my time in producing. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the uh, fastest litmus test is like, is this something I could see myself doing and reminiscing about when I'm 40, 50, 60, 70 years old? It's a great way to to do it. And depending on where you are on, on the life cycle at this point, you may be like, okay, what do I feel could be my legacy in five years or 10 years, or it could be 20 or 30. And I think that that's also a really great point of who do I want to surround myself with? Like what types of people do I want to be working with in five years, in 10 years, in 15 years? Do I still want to be working 
with the core students that I'm working with, that same demographic, that same age range of students, do I want to move up and work with them as they continue to progress and get older? Do I want to have that as one part of my life? But then I really want to work with the piano teachers who are in their 20s and just work with piano teachers who are in their 20s who are starting their studios. Like, I mean, so like there's also what type of person do you want to surround yourself with as you move into this next stage? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can think of all those conversations that like light you up, you know, like I know there's some conversations I can't have after 7 p.m. because I will just stay up all night <laughs> being so excited <laughs> about the ideas. You know, it's just too stimulating. And that's a great thing to build a business around because it's the thing that you can't get out of your head. And you're just going to think about it all day long, every day, whether you want to or not, it's just going to be in your head. And yeah, so if it's is that working with students and coming up with those creative ideas, then that might be the way you go. Um, yeah. Yeah, I work with a um, someone who who teaches music, and they te- and she teaches with with young kids, and she runs a, a brick and mortar studio. And she is because of COVID, she expanded online, and now she's got some courses, and you know, and continuing to progress with those things. But when I look at her and we talk about different things that she's doing in her business, I can tell that she is fired up when she sees that smile on the little kid's face. She comes back to that time and time again. And so I know that ultimately she needs to get that validation of that little kid's face smiling back at her. Whereas I have another client who she is in a life transition herself. She's about to become an empty nester. And for her, she is at a point where she wants to see her students progress. It's not about the smile on the face. And so for her, she's switched into the online teaching with the cohorts and that model. And then I have another client. I mean, this is just, it just happens that this is how it progresses, who teaches online. She teaches her online, her music online, but she also offers um, training to other teachers who are wanting to get started. So she loves the fact that not only has she created the online success, but she is helping people catalyst, you know, in that very initial stage of creating their online idea. She doesn't want to work with them all the way through. She and I have a great partnership. She sends people over to me all the time because once they have the idea, that's all that she wants. But that's where she's going to leave her legacy is helping all these people plant the seeds for their online business. Mm-hmm. And that's really insightful too. Like sometimes other people can see it in you um, or identify it in you when you can't see it yourself. <laughs> so like that friend, like <laughs> you can see her face light up and to be in the room with the kids, like that is where she's awesome. And even that, like that teacher can partner with someone who really likes putting together tutorials or videos, you know, and there might be some partnership there where she is the face and she's the one doing the lesson and coming up with the creative ideas. And there's this other person who might have more tech skills or interests and they could, you know, between one doing the the content and the other doing the tech part, they could really have a cool thing going there too. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. There is really, there's no one right way to create your online business and to move into that next phase. And I think that that's really kind of one of the, one of the most important things to remember is that when you say yes to expanding online, when you say yes to doing something that's different than what you've done before, it's a matter of saying yes to yourself. It's a matter of saying yes to what's true to you. And that's, I think, a kind of coming back to the reason why we decided to start this conversation in the first place of you don't have to teach the way you teach offline or the way you teach one-on-one in an online capacity to still find success. I mean, I love what you were saying about the curriculum. I mean, what else, what other things have you seen um, teachers who have taught online or rather the teachers who have taught one-on-one or in a studio where they've come into the online space and done something cool or different? Yeah, I've seen some who just have um, other skills, like they're graphic designers. And so they make interesting, you know, worksheets and stuff that, I might be making the same worksheets in my studio, but they might not look as good. And I value things that look good, so I buy those. Um, or woodworking, and they make toys and tools to teach. And, you know, just totally outside of um, anything related to teaching. Um, hold on, yeah. let me. Yeah. I can, I can come up with more here. So um, the curriculum is definitely one. I see people do social media, and they might – really like the social media strategy part. So they're putting together calendars and templates that teachers can then follow in their own studios, or they might mm-hmm. be doing it for them. But often, you know, the one-to-many model would be the creating the templates and calendars for others to follow. Um, all sorts of things. And the traditional path of the opening a multi-teacher studio is an option also, if that's that's what lights you up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just actually made me think about the fact that, I mean, I talk about this all the time on the podcast and in conversation, the internet is global. And because it's global, you can create whatever you want. Maybe you know of a percussion teacher in Florida who is amazing that you would like to be able to have their lessons available to your students and you're in St. Louis. I mean, that's where you are. You can't fly them in and bring, you know, bring that stuff, but then you can then do a swap. You could say, I will create my curriculum of piano. You create your curriculum of percussion. We can beta test each other's, and then we can market these programs together. And then you find someone who specializes in guitar and you find someone who specializes in some other instrument. And all of a sudden it's become not just one teacher's energy and one teacher's program. It's it's kind of like uh, bringing it all together where you now have a new opportunity to create a greater impact and create more opportunity for everyone to have more, more learning and more opportunity. And you, you know, you just grow. Yeah. And you might have some, um, just expertise in figuring out who that person is. So if, or maybe you have a a certain style of teaching and you know that people like your style of teaching piano, but you don't teach a guitar and you might be able to identify who the guitar guitar teacher is who teaches in the same way that you did. And 
there's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a lot of value in that too. And then bringing that offering, um, using that to expand your, your reach. But I think when a lot of the, when we talk to like a, a parent, someone calls us about piano lessons, they often don't really know what they're looking for and they don't know how to ask helpful questions to make a good decision about who they take lessons from. And so if you can be, um, that curator for that Mm -hmm. experience, there is a lot of value in that too. And just knowing, Hey, you like my style of teaching piano. You might like this theory instructor or this guitar instructor or this ukulele instructor. Yeah. Matchmaking. Matchmaking. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's one of those things that coming back to what you said earlier, find what lights you up, you know, dig in to your zone of genius use that. It doesn't have to look like what the next studio over did, what the next teacher has chosen to do. You have your own path, you have your own experiences, and you are going to leave your own stamp on the world. I think that that is absolutely accurate and brilliant. I love it, love it, love it. Um, So Andrea, let's just kind of start wrapping up this conversation with... um, Maybe just some parting thoughts where the people who are listening right now who might be able to start thinking about what else they might want to do if teaching online is not necessarily the next step for them. Yeah, I think it's that introspection. I often think of myself as like a slow entrepreneur. Like I like to do things thoughtfully, but I think it really saves time in the long run when you just yeah, thinking about what is it that lights you up, paying attention to that um, and doing something with it. Maybe you're just writing blog posts or maybe you're just journaling even. Maybe it's not anything public to the world yet, but you're just like processing those ideas and paying attention to the themes that come up over and over and over. And you're like, I tend to always come back to this. This thing really, really excites me. Um, And I think all that introspective time really makes things clearer down the line when you do decide it's time to launch something. And who knows, you might have a whole notebook full of content that you can use. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And I am an action-oriented person. And so I always like to say, you don't have to make a decision now, but you do have to make a decision on the day you're going to make a decision. So you can sit and simmer and you can decide if, the, if you're going to sit and simmer for one week, two weeks, six weeks, 12 weeks, put something on your calendar at the end of your simmer period to stop simmering and start taking action. Yes. Yes. Predefining the deadline <laughs> to stop. <simmering>. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because otherwise we can sit and continue to think and think and think. And your gifts are too good. Your gifts are so needed in this world where everyone is craving connection. Everyone is craving opportunity to be creative and to tap into their emotions and into their creativity. So I don't want you to simmer forever. (laughs) I second that. Yes. Andrea, this has been such a great conversation. If people want to connect with you, obviously you mentioned your podcast at the top of the episode. Where else can they connect with you? And uh, yeah, just, uh, yeah, where else can they connect with you? Yeah, I'm most active, well, through my podcast at Music Studio Startup and then on Instagram, pretty active there. And then my website, of course, and Facebook. 
Awesome, awesome. I'll have that stuff linked up in the show notes. And thank you again so much for coming on the Expand Online podcast. Thanks so much, Jamie. Okay, let's stop 